Welcome to a new episode of the Tez Scotland podcast. I'm Henry Hepburn, Scotland editor for Tez, and each month I talk to senior reporter Emma Seath about our latest long read on an important and compelling aspect of Scottish education. This time, Emma tells us about her new piece on the conundrum of teacher supply and teacher recruitment. So, Emma, it's, it's really well documented that you know there's a lot of teachers looking for secure work. Uh, and not finding it. And at the same time, there's a lot of schools in Scotland looking for teaching staff. How can both of those things be true at the same time? Okay, yeah, no, it does. It does seem like a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? But it, it can be true um, because where the teachers are looking for works, not necessarily where the jobs are. So um, I think that the general consensus would be that a lot of teachers tend to look in and around the central belt mm. and what is commutable from the central belt. And actually, um, the schools that are looking for the staff are located outside the central belt and in the more rural and remote areas of Scotland. So it's a problem of geography, of most of the people being you know, sort of located in a certain part of the country. And so the schools in that part of the country are relatively well served. But then schools in you know, sort of further flung parts of Scotland, um, further away from the central belt, they are still um, struggling with recruitment and stru- struggling to fill posts. So that that's one side of it. Um, the other side of it would be to do with um, certain subject specialisms just being harder to recruit to. And, you know, we've been reporting on this area for a long time now, so you'd probably be mm. able to reel off what those um, <laughs> subjects are. You know, home economics, maths, physics, technological education. And these are ones that have been, um, whenever you look at the statistics and you see um, how well the teacher education institutions at Scottish universities are managing to fill places on courses, these are the ones that tend to be, um, you know, the intake tends to be lowest. Uh, computing would be another one to add mm. into that list. And in a way, it's not new, you know, teacher supply and recruitment, there have been perennial problems that we've reported on time and again over the, the years that you and I have worked here. Why is it so hard to get it right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, in, th- in theory, you would think that it would probably be quite straightforward because we know the number of children that are or babies that are born. So can we not project into the future and think, well, how many kids then are going to be going to primary school? How many kids are going to be going to secondary school? But I think that probably one of the big things that has a bearing on the way that um, numbers fluctuate is, is government policy you know so a government policy that says that the government wants to reduce class sizes that has an impact on teacher numbers a government policy that says you know sort of as we have with, with the current government um that they want to reduce class contact time by 90 minutes a week that has implications for teachers num- teacher numbers even a government policy that just says plainly we want to increase teachers mm-hmm. as we have just now that has an impact as well and that's something that then has to be factored in and so and it's something that is less predictable so it's it's it makes it it makes it harder to plan and I suppose as well the other the other thing that is a bit more complicated is about getting the right teachers in the right places you know so you can you know you can project ahead you can have an idea of what your school roles are going to be but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have the right number of teachers in Aberdeenshire in order to kind of te- in order to teach those pupils, so the the other thing would be that issue of geography again is that if you at national level you manage to you know sort of calculate use your statistics you use your statistics to you know sort of predict how many um, teachers you're going to need you're not going to get them necessarily in the right places even if you get them in the right number. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the, the, the geographical thing. I mean, Scotland's got this peculiarly um, lopsided distribution of the population, where you've got about eighty percent in this quite narrow band in the central belt, and there's almost a, the people have said this over the years. There's almost a, a psychological barrier to heading north, and and yet the people who do venture north, even if they've never visited, you know, Murray or Aberdeenshire in their lives. So many of them tell us about how much they they just absolutely you know love the place and end up settling there. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's definitely worth coming out of your comfort zone. If if obviously some people it's it's, it's hard with their family situation and so forth. But um, just just on the um, the situation I said just now, so we've said it's a sort of perennial problem. But is there anything peculiarly you know is there anything that sort of marks out the situation just now as being different to in times gone by? Is there something, anything that's particular to, to the current set of problems that, that we're looking at? I, I guess it, it is probably the financial situation mm. that local authorities mm. find themselves in. You know, we've got used to hearing this word unprecedented, mm. you know, kind of bandied around. But, you know, councils would tell you that the... Um, the, the sort of budget situation that they are facing is unprecedented and the reason that this you know kind of feeds into issues of of teacher supply is that you've got the you know as I was saying the government policy can have a big influence on whether or not an, an unpredictable or a less predictable influence on teacher number um, and so the government policy at the, at the moment is that we should be increasing teacher numbers over the course of this parliament by 3,500. Um, but this unprecedented financial situation within councils means that although that's the ambition of the government, local authorities are struggling to deliver on that because they have this budget situation where they're not they're not really willing or able to put extra teachers in you know so they're they're doing what they need to do to get a teacher in front of classes but in terms of that additionality um then i, I think that it's just proving very difficult for councils to be able to do that because of the budget situation that they face where they're trying to you know sort of um pare down everything as much as possible and pupil teacher ratios are part and parcel of that. So I think that maybe, you know, in, in terms of, you know, sort of what marks out the current, you know, sort of situation uh, as being different, it would be that, you know, kind of the, 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 the budget situation of councils coupled with this commitment from the go government that they're going to increase teacher numbers by 3,500. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like you, you alluded to, um, you can almost stretch all the way back to the financial crash, the global financial crash of 2008. And every year we seem to hear that, you know, council budgets are really stretched and, you know, there could be a real impact in education. But it feels like something really is different this year. The, the tipping point really has been reached. The day we're recording this, of course, you've you've just written a piece looking at some of the things that are being proposed around the country where, you know, we've got Falkirk talking about closing swim pools. We've got music services being paired back to the bone um, just last week with Glasgow with a proposal that would uh, effectively re you know, reduce the number of teachers by, by several hundred. So, um, so yeah, it does really feel like there is something diff genuinely different about the, the, the pressure on local authority budgets this year. Another thing that you bring up in your piece or, or that uh, the people you've spoken to have brought up in your piece is behaviour. Uh, that's been mentioned as a factor, um, whether that's you know, actual behaviour ground issues on the ground, or just the perception of misbehaviour being a, a factor in, in that that affects uh, people's decisions about whether to pursue a career in teaching. 
Yeah, it's just it's just about this issue of, you know, it, it, does teaching seem like a job that you would want to do, you know? And so one of the people we spoke to was, you know, sort of saying that um, actually they felt that, um, you know, as we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, that actually people having, you know, sort of seen the extra pressure um, that's been put on the shoulders of teachers, that that will make the job less appealing. And also um, we've got a secondary head teacher talking about this perception that, you know, sort of behaviour is in school is, um, you know, sort of is, is really horrendous at the moment and so um this idea about well you know do i want to go into a job where there's a chance that i'm going to suffer verbal and even you know sort of potentially physical you know sort of abuse essentially but the, the secondary head teacher you know comes to the conclusion that the majority of teachers in the majority of schools actually don't experience the job like that and that they actually find it to be a rewarding career but this this but it's just a perception is important and so if people aren't seeing it as a desirable career to go into those areas where we um are, have suffered for such a long time from shortages in terms of those mass teachers in terms of the computing teachers that that really where we maybe can you know compete on salary with teaching i mean teachers are striking just now because the, they feel that the salary has has got to the point where you know they need to make a stand over it that's particularly pronounced when you're talking about you know graduates that are coming from likes of math or computing where you know, they could go into um, jobs where they can command higher wages. So this idea of teaching being seen as, um, you know, a good job starts to become particularly important. And there, there, there's the impression out there just now is that, that it's um, actually its reputation has been sort of tarnished, if you like, and it's not it's not coming across as being as appealing as it needs to be in order to pull in graduates from from those, you know, sort of high demand subject areas. And you've spoken to some early career teachers for this piece, so some people who did take the plunge and go into teaching, but uh, certainly I know one of the people you spoke to uh, pretty soon afterwards uh, switched career. What, what are some of the most striking things that these uh, that these teachers talk to you about? That was a really interesting comparison, actually. That was somebody who had um, qualified um, to teach social subjects and um, had ended up uh, spending a few years trying to get a permanent post had ended up doing maternity covers and then just decided that well they wanted to move on with their lives and be able to get a mortgage and those kinds of things and for that they needed a, a secure and a reliable income and so it was they, they made a swap and they um, and they became um, now they're training to become a policeman um and so there was a you know sort of certain period of time i think it was maybe 12 weeks if memory serves where they did an intensive course and now they're on a two-year probation but barring some kind of major incident that's them in a job now you know and so that for me that contrast actually to you know the the, the unpredictability of whether or not after having trained to become a teacher you're going to actually get to be one <laughs> <laughs> it was really quite a sharp contrast and if you think about the figures I mean now we're down to for primary teachers a fifth of them the September after their probation a fifth were in permanent full-time or part-time posts you know so it's it's really actually it's really likely that you'll finish your probation as a primary teacher now 
and you won't get a permanent job. I mean, you can kind of see with, with the way that teaching is, where you need to have a supply pool that you're perhaps going and, and also just that, you know, jobs come up as the year goes on. And that's always been an argument that's been put forward by, you know, sort of councils or the government. It's not just September, you know, they, people can continue to pick up work, you know, maybe, you know, sort of maybe in October, maybe in November, maybe in January, you know, so that that number was always going to go up in terms of the proportion that have a permanent job. But, uh, you know, if you contrast that then with somebody's experience of joining the police where they do, you know, like a relatively short period of training and then they're in a job, it, it is quite it is quite a contrast. And so it is interesting. And the other interesting thing that the people who I was talking to were saying was that what was noticeable for me was that they were willing to teach in areas that I would have traditionally have thought of as struggling to find teachers likes of Dumfries and Galloway, Scottish Borders Council, you know, so I, I thought that that was interesting, you know, that they were, you know, sort of based in those areas. Another teacher that um, I spoke to had been working full-time, full-time permanent post in um, Glasgow, a primary teacher, moved to Highland in October and every single day had got supply work, but not a whiff of a permanent post. And in Highland, again, that was a bit more surprising for me. You know, these would have been the areas, you know, sort of that we would have maybe been writing about in the past that were having issues with teacher supply. Clearly that's not the case anymore, but it's particularly not the case for primary. And it would be particularly difficult to get jobs with certain secondary subjects. You would be talking about um, history, uh, geography, um, art and design based on the post probationer figures um, for uh, last year would also have been one that I think only about a third of um, last year's probationers were finding work this year, you know, after becoming fully qualified in, in permanent, were finding permanent posts. And that was for art and design. So, you know, sort of interesting the way that things are kind of, uh, some things are, it's I been really, but some things are changing a bit in terms of the, 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 the job prospects um, for new teachers. So you said really well there, some of the logistical issues and the, just the, the numbers involved. Um, but there's also a view expressed in your piece that there's not just issues there that need to be resolved, but also that teaching maybe has to sell itself better as a career. Can you tell us a little, little more about that? Yeah, so I suppose we, we talked about like the kind of idea of um, people maybe not having the best impression of um, the sort of working life that you can expect as as a teacher, you know, just in terms of behaviour. Um, uh, and just in terms of, you know, sort of, you know, you know, having an, an enjoyable, you know, sort of working life. Um, but the other side to that um, has been that, you know, when we've had times of um, teacher shortage, um, you know, for instance, when John Swinney was education secretary, there was a bit, there was teacher shortage. And at that time, he tried to increase the flow into the profession by creating more flexible routes into teaching. But at the same time, there was this other idea that um, we needed to make teaching just more generally attractive. And so back in 2017, then there was this talk of Scotland emulating Singapore in the sense of creating a wider range of progression routes for teachers. And then fast forward to 2019, 
and we had the final report of the independent panel on career pathways for teachers. And that recommended the creation of the lead teacher role, which many saw as being a throwback to chartered teachers. So basically a scheme that um, rewards teachers for staying in the classroom. Um, and, you know, that report as well also recommended, you know, sabbaticals for all teachers, all about, you know, sort of making sure that, you know, sort of once you get into the job, you're not just allowed to kind of stagnate, that there's there's a way for you to progress. There are new challenges that you can kind of keep on taking on. But I mean, ultimately, even though, you know, so we had that report, but as soon as the as soon as the pressure in terms of the teacher supply, you know, sort of eased, it was as if the pressure then on the government eased. And so none of these, you know, things about making teaching, you know, sort of more tra- attractive in terms of a career came to pass. I mean, we, we, we do have the lead teacher role now, but in some ways it's, you know, I think that you were reporting that there were only, according to last year's census, there were only five lead teachers in post in Scotland. Um, so the role came in in 2021, I think, August 2021. And so then by uh, September of last year, we had um, only five lead teachers, according to the census. I should say, I should jump in and say that uh, as soon as I posted that story, these were obviously official figures. Someone got back from one local authority saying, "Well, how can that be? We've got six in our local authority alone." But I think there is a bit of a grey area at times about what a lead teacher is. So that's maybe something we need to sort of look into again at some point in the future. Sorry, but there is this mm. real concern, mm. isn't there? That you know, the introduction of faculties has made it even worse. You know, so we used to have charter teacher. We don't have that anymore. We used to have principal teachers, you know, in lots of authorities. They've been um, replaced with faculty heads. You know, there are fewer faculty heads than there are principal teachers. You know, so there's just this general kind of concern that, um, you know, routes for progression, routes for promotion are narrowing. And the reason why people are worried about that is, again, it's about this idea that, is teaching attractive as a career? You know, are are people who uh, you know are people going to you know sort of be tempted into the profession? You know, sort of from the areas we need them to be. And I think we've got a role here. I mean, we we uh, the, the, our role as a publication is to highlight issues and problems that are facing the teaching profession. We we are a voice for teachers and the issues that they face, whether it is promotion opportunities or lack thereof, or budget cuts or behaviour, and those are all issues that we cover. But another thing that we do that you don't really see very much elsewhere is, is we celebrate teachers and teaching and, and, and the, 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 you know, present teaching as a, a job that when it's going well offers some clear satisfaction that very few other professions can offer. And I think from, if you look at coverage in other media, which it's, it's always it makes it look pretty grim in schools, but, uh, we should never forget, forget that when it's going well, it's an absolutely cracking job to have. But, um, Emma, thanks very much. That was really, really insightful. And uh, teacher supply and recruitment is obviously an absolutely crucial issue that I'm sure we will return to before long. Just before we finish off, could you tell us about anything else you've been looking at recently? What other issues have been on your radar? Well, I mean, obviously the big issue in Scotland just now, it has to be the teacher strikes, doesn't it? There's mm-hmm. not really another, you know, sort of uh, another issue that is um, having as much impact on schools and as much of a, an impact on, on teachers as well. And and then, of course, this, you know, sort of feeds into what we've just been talking about. I mean, um, you know, like this idea of is it an attractive profession when people 
on the outside thinking about coming in will be seeing, you know, sort of teachers striking over pay and not actually managing to get very far with the government mm-hmm. in terms of meeting them halfway and, and arriving at a compromise and... Um, you know, the, the the noises, you know, sort of coming out of the unions is they're getting more and more frustrated that the government's talking about engaging with them. But the reality, you know, sort of on the inside is, you know, sort of very, very different. And they're feeling it's like a real PR exercise. This, you know, sort of talk about, you know, sort of... Um, yeah, talk about, you know, sort of engaging, talk about ongoing discussions, but not bringing any new offers to the table. None of that is going to be helping to make this an attractive career prospect for people coming through university just now. Yeah, and certainly we've seen there's a perception out there that uh, teachers have been, you know, despite the pretty much an impasse for several months now in the teacher pay dispute, that the, the, they felt like they've, you know, the, there's been no attempt at from the other side at, uh, at progress. And I mean, the, the, the most striking evidence for that, I think, was you were through at the Scottish Parliament in November when we had this historic national strike. And, you know, many, many teachers um, gathered outside. Meanwhile, I was watching the live feeds of parliamentary business that afternoon, and they didn't even get a mention. They might as well, you know, for all that uh, uh, they were gathering and making their point outside, just the, the teacher pay dispute wasn't a priority in Parliament that day, which just seemed utterly bizarre to me. And uh, I mean, have you got any predictions? We're, we're speaking on the afternoon of Wednesday, the 25th of January. Can you see an end in sight or is it just uh, impossible to say at this stage? You know, can you see anything happening soon? Um, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think that the um, right, th- th- there's a little bit of more pressure being applied, but um, you know, so for instance, you were saying there about um, First Minister's questions and it going on at the same time as teachers were holding a rally outside the Scottish Parliament. And, you know, great voice and great number, it has to also be said, you know, it wasn't like it was, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, a, just a few, it was, a, you know, there was a good turnout. And, um, but even so, it didn't feature a, um, First Minister's questions. Well, last week at First Minister's questions, then teaching you know and education did feature and the strikes were raised but there has to be an awful lot more of that there has to be an awful lot more pressure i think before you're going to start to see um some movement you're absolutely right i mean i i I haven't checked back to see when it was but when it came up at education came up at first minister's questions last week it felt like the first time in a long long time that had been the the main focus of first minister's questions and just in terms of any other business and other things we've been working on one thing i just want to highlight very quickly before we finish is um if, if people may remember, we, you know, back in September, there were some horrendous incidents uh, within a few days of each other where presenters at the Scottish Learning Festival were um, subjected to absolutely terrible online racism. And then pretty much the same thing happened to a primary school in Glasgow a few days later. So some of the people that are uh, were embroiled in, in that and, and on the receiving end of it, um, they have come together to write a piece for us that we published last Friday. Um, and there's been a really good response to that. People have found it really 
you know, full of salient points, really interesting, really helpful. Uh, so I'd urge, um, urge readers and listeners to, to go and seek that out. Um, but thanks very much, Emma. That was great. We'll, we'll, we'll come back uh, in about a month's time for another chat. Um, but in the meantime, you can read Emma's full piece on teacher supply and teacher recruitment at tes.com forward slash magazine. And remember to subscribe to the Tes Scotland podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. As to say, we'll have a new episode next month. <laughs>